Hey, it's great to be with you this morning, and it's great to have you, those of you at home watching and listening. And uh, for some weeks now, this church has been in a series called Engage. I haven't, been, haven't spoken in it before, and I think they're risking a lot today to get me up here, but it's been a great series, and it's a privilege to be able to talk to you today. But here is a, a warning, right? This message could be completely out of balance. And you know, that's true for every message. If it's taken as a standalone, if you don't have the bits that go before, the bits that go after, you can't really have everything in balance in every message you give, right? So this will be out of balance. Is that okay with you today? The Holy Spirit actually can't be neatly put into one sermon package, I've discovered. Anyone else agree with me? I want to start this morning by reading some words that Jesus spoke to his disciples right towards the end of his time with them. And he you find these chapters in John 14, 15, and 16, and so on, and there's a whole lot of stuff that Jesus shares with them. Just a couple of verses from there, John 14, verses 16 and 17, he says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Great verses. Jump down to the next chapter, John 15, verse 26. Jesus again speaking to the same group of people. But I will send you the advocate, comforter, the encourager, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you find in those few chapters, numbers of times, Jesus says it in a different way. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to not just be with you, but to be in you. I find it interesting that here we have Jesus talking about himself, and he's also talking about the Father. He's also talking about the Holy Spirit, the three of them working together. And as Carl, our, our lead pastor, reminded us a few weeks ago, it's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. And notice Jesus keeps using the words in these verses, and he does all through these chapters. He talks about he and about him when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about it. See, the Holy Spirit is not some vague random mystical force way out there. He's part of the Godhead. The Father is God. Jesus the Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. Three in one, sorry, distinguishable, but indivisible. Completely unified in nature and power and in purpose. Now we call that the doctrine of the Trinity. Now let me tell you with my tiny little puny finite mind, I have difficulty fully grasping the doctrine of the Trinity. And I reckon I'm in good company, right? I've got some friends out there with the same problem. Probably not in this room because they're all very, looking very pious this morning, but maybe some at home have got that problem. In fact, over the years, people have quoted a saying which no one really quite knows who actually first said it, but it goes like this. If you deny the Trinity, you shall lose your soul. Yet if you try to explain the Trinity, you shall lose your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't intend to lose either of those two things this morning, and I hope you out there the same as I delve into this a little bit this morning. So I'm going to get three fine, upstanding people to come and help me for a moment, which may 
just help us or maybe hinder us, who knows yet, we'll soon find out, won't we, about, to help us to understand this little bit about the doctrine of the Trinity. So here we have these, almost there, three people come back on the stage, and, and uh, these are substitutes this morning, right. right? Pretty poor substitutes, but they're substitutes. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they've just changed place. It's okay because they're in the Trinity, they're united, and they, can, they all work together in harmony. And uh, they're great. So they, they are not, right? They, that is not God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. You understand that, don't you? Yes. They're, they're just helping us this morning. Now, one day in history, the Bible tells us that just the right time, the Father sent the Son. And the Son came, Jesus came and lived among us on earth. Right? You all know that, don't we? Now, while we may not actually be aware of this at all, but around our lives, the Holy Spirit is at work. And He works on our hearts, and at some stage in our lives, He gives us a realization that we need to be forgiven, that we need our lives changed, we need a Savior. So the Holy Spirit comes along, and He introduces us to Jesus. Then I am forgiven, right? My sin is forgiven. I'm born again, the Bible calls it. Jesus becomes my Savior. He becomes my Lord, and I become his follower. But that isn't the end of the process. Having our sins forgiven, who agree that it's a wonderful thing to know shame and guilt and being free from that. But but the thing is, becoming a Christian involves so much more than just having our sins forgiven, right? When mankind fell in sin... The intimate relationship with God the Father was broken. And God wants each of us to experience again that wonderful intimacy with Him as Father. And Jesus came to bridge that gap between us and Father and bring us back to intimacy with Him, right? So Jesus then takes us to meet the Father. (laughs) That's so awesome. And what joy and healing and fulfillment it brings to our lives when we get to know Father. We're no longer servants, but we're sons or daughters. We're children of the living God. All His love and all His blessings and the benefits of being in His family are poured out into our lives. And we can call Him Father, Dad, Abba, Father. So you're getting the picture, right? I hope you are this morning. The Father sent the Son. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came and introduced us to Jesus. Then Jesus wants to take us to introduce us to the Father. So far, so good, right? Is that okay? So good. But here's the thing I've noticed. So many Christians can go through their lives having a relationship with Jesus, and then maybe and hopefully then understanding their relationship with Father, and some have some difficulty with that. But for many, the Holy Spirit is some far away Something is way out of the picture and they don't relate to him at all. It's even sadder to think that some people think the Holy Spirit's job was all over once the Bible was written. And others think his only job is to introduce us to Jesus, then say, wave bye-bye and say, I'll see you someday later back in heaven one day. When really he is wanting us to get to know him. And others even think he's just a force way out there somewhere that we can't even reach. What a tragedy. 
Because the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, ever-present Holy Spirit wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to feature in our lives. He wants to change us. He wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. He wants to make us like Jesus. He wants to empower us. He wants to use us. And He wants us to have fellowship, relationship with Him. Our text just came in from, must be out somewhere out in the back room or home. It says, how do you know that, Paul? Okay, well, okay, I'm glad you asked that question. There are 2,654 out there. Thank you for that. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, these words. Some of you know these. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, you can't have fellowship or relationship with an it, an un force that you can't even get to know. The person of the Holy Spirit, who is totally holy God, wants to have relationship yeah, with us. Right. You okay, guys up there? Sorry. They're doing well, aren't they? Are they smiling and looking okay? <laughs> when it comes to praying, most of us, when we ask for something in prayer, we we go, we say, Father, can I have something in the, name of, in, the, in the name of Jesus, right? It's sort of we're going to God in the name of Jesus. And that's the prayer of petition or asking for something. But not, not all prayer is petition and intercession. Sometimes, and a lot of the time, prayer is just talking with God or listening for Him, talking to us. And, and it's pouring out our hearts to God. And it might be even worshiping God. And, and during our prayer and worship time, it's perfectly acceptable to single out the different persons in the Godhead. You can say, Father, I, I worship you, I exalt you, you creator, you're all powerful, you're the king of, you're the one who made me, you gave me life, you're my provider, you're my strength. Thank you, I'm your son, or if it's you, or your mum or your daughter, I'm one of your children. You're my father. And thank you, God, Father, for, Father God, for sending your son, Jesus then you can worship Jesus. And you can say, I worship you, Jesus. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the Prince of peace. Thank you. You sacrificed your life for me and I, my sin was forgiven as you paid the price. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. And thank you, Jesus, that you sent the Holy Spirit. And then you can turn your attention to the Holy Spirit and you can say, thank you, Holy Spirit. You came and you, I can walk with you. Thank you. You're my comforter. You're my counselor. You're my helper to make Jesus real to me. Thank you that you take the Bible and you make the Bible real to me. Thank you that you lead me into truth. Thank you, you guide me. Thank you, you help me to pray. Thank you, you're working on me day by day to make me more like Jesus. Thank you for your gifts. And thank you for bringing healing and blessing with those gifts to other lives around me. Thank you for filling me over and over and so on and so on. So I can have intimate relationship with God the Father, I can have intimate relationship with God, Jesus, sorry, the, the Son, Jesus, I can have intimate relationship. I knew it wasn't Jesus when I looked at him, that's why I got confused. We can have intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now here's some questions this morning. Where is the Father right now? He's in heaven, seated on his throne. So where's Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us that after his resurrection, he appeared numbers of times to his disciples and 
In their final time together, Jesus gave the disciples the great commission to go into the world and make disciples of every nation. And in the very last words he spoke to them are given to us in Acts chapter one, where Jesus says to them, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling Jesus about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And having done that, Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So where's the Holy Spirit today? He's here. He's the one Jesus sent to be with me and to be in me, to fill me, to empower me, to transform me, to be like Jesus. He brings me to Jesus so I can have relationship with Jesus and then with the Father. And then I need him constantly to help me pray, to understand God's word, to worship, to be an effective witness. His work in my life is never over. And he wants to become more and more, makes me more and more aware of him, right? Become sensitive to him, that I might follow his promptings. So Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll, where you lead, I'll follow. If you say stop, I'll stop. If you want me to say something, I'll say something. If you want me to be quiet, I'll be quiet. Wherever you lead me, wherever you lead me, I'll go. I don't want to be in control. I'll let you be in control. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in my life. Isn't it wonderful the Holy Spirit is here to be with us? Hey, thanks, guys. You did a good job there. Much better than I did, actually. Really cool. I don't think the the disciples had any idea what exactly was going to happen on that first day when the Holy Spirit came on that first visitation on the day of Pentecost. I'm pretty sure none of them guessed that there was gonna be a powerful, deafening, violent, mighty wind that would blow through that room, whereas outside everything was completely calm and quiet. I don't think any of them in their wildest imaginations would have expected something like flames of fire to rest, what looked like flames of fire to rest upon each one of them in the room. And then for all of that, they're to speak in languages they had never learned before. Wow, not in their wildest dreams did they think that all these people would rush around to see what the commotion was about and then being accused of being drunk when they knew that not one of them had a drop to drink all morning. It was only nine o'clock in the morning anyway, for goodness sake. But even with all those strange occurrences, the believers realized that this was the fulfillment that Jesus talked about. This was the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And, and so then Peter got up all bold and before the crowd and he preached his first sermon when 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that first day. Wow, that's a great preaching. You can check all this up for yourself, by the way, in Acts chapter two. But this wasn't the only time something like this happened to them. It tells us that a couple of chapters later in Acts 4 that a few days later they were praying in a prayer meeting and this time suddenly the whole room shook around about them and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. See, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 18. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Actually, if you go back to the beginning of that verse, it says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So in my mind, it seems like getting drunk with the wine is, is actually a counterfeit of being filled with the Spirit, right? But the verb filled is the present continuous tense 
Best translated, beyond being filled with the Spirit. See, a filling with the Holy Spirit is not a one-off experience. We need to keep on being filled over and over in our lives. And I've certainly found this to be true in my life. I could probably talk all day if I told you about all the times I've known the Holy Spirit working in me and doing something around my life and in my life. So, but I want to highlight one particular period that happened to me and here in the church quite a few years ago. I'd gone away a couple of days on a spiritual retreat, and on the second day of that retreat, I began to pray, and I said, Holy Spirit, I really want you. And I said it again, Holy Spirit, I really want you. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard words come to me so strongly that I, you would say I was hearing them really clearly, and I recognized them as being the voice of the Holy Spirit because the word said to me, I really want you. Wow. And so I was saying, Holy Spirit, I really want you, but you really want me? Holy Spirit, I, I really want you, but you really want me? And as I said this over and over, a really strong, a very strong sense of the presence of God just filled that room like a weight, and I, I couldn't stand it. I was staggering around the room, and I, I fell down, so I decided I might as well stay there and uh, stay on the floor. And as I stay on the floor, I began to feel a real sense. I started to cry to the point of sobbing as I could feel the Spirit of God just doing this deep work inside me and touching areas of my heart and of my thinking, and, and I felt so close to God. What I didn't tell you earlier was that a ministry friend of mine was away up there with me, and, and while this had been going on, he had been out walking. So he walked back into the room, and he opened the door and walked and went, wow, what's going on and going on in here? And, and I looked and said, mate, the Holy Spirit really wants you, at which he fell to the floor straight away and started having his own encounter with God. I mean, this was something like, what's with this finger, you know? <laughs> you know, it's nothing to do with that finger. After some time of all this happening, some other words came to me really strongly, and I said them out loud. I said, but there's going to be trouble. And as I said, there's going to be trouble, I went from really crying deeply to laughing raucously. Now, at this point, the story either gets better or gets worse, depending on your point of view, so I'm just warning you, okay? When I got back home, I couldn't talk about all this straight away. How do you? But we got to bed that night, and as we were lying there in bed, I started to try and tell Jill what had happened. And as I was relating to Jill what the Holy Spirit had said, I really want you, I began to cry and sob just all over again as I was explaining it to her, and I couldn't speak, and, and it was just happening as it had earlier. When I was finally able to speak again, I said, but there's going to be trouble. And again, I just went from crying straight to laughing on and on. And Jill will tell you that first she wondered if I'd really completely lost my marbles, you know. She thought, what has happened? And then she began to realize that God had indeed something, had, be, had done something real in my life. But to cap it all off, I laughed so much that I actually fell out of bed at which moment our son, Tim, our youngest son, Tim, who was 11 at the time, called out from his room, don't you guys realize that some of us are trying to get some sleep? You know? <laughs> the next Sunday, I shared my experience with the congregation. Some of you were there. 
in those days, and towards the end of my story, I had to grip the pulpit like, like this because my legs lost their strength and I couldn't stand and I could no longer stand in the pulpit. And someone somewhere in the congregation said words to this effect, thank goodness God's finally got hold of him. <laughs> I still to this day don't know who it was. I thought it was Doreen, I asked her about it, but it wasn't Doreen, it's something that she would do, don't you think? Those who know Doreen, she's great in our church here. For the next year, the Holy Spirit did a, a, a fresh work. We sang about the fresh wind, a fresh work in, in, in our church. And we had put on extra meetings during the week and we had Sunday nights and all sorts of stuff. And there were times of refreshing and renewal of people's relationship with God. And, and some of you remember those days. We had testimonies and, of relationships being healed and restored and the answers to prayer and people being set free from habits and addictions that happened in their lives and many loving Jesus even more before and worship becoming more real and people coming to faith in Jesus and so on. It was a season of revival for us, but it was happening all over the place, wasn't it? And around the world, there was a season of, of renewal. Well, you might say, well, Paul, you know, those last things you mentioned, I think they're great, you know, people's lives being changed and all that, but I'm not too happy about that earlier stuff you talked about. You know, like the crying and the laughing and the falling down and the, and the, and, and the shaking and the quaking and the twitching and the swinging from the chandeliers. And that didn't happen, I'm just adding that for effect. It's that thought. You know, I'm pretty sure Peter and James and John and the rest of the crew weren't too happy about being called drunkards at Pentecost. They could have said, God, just gently send us the Holy Spirit, but we're too embarrassed by the rest of the stuff, so can you just keep it seemly or something and, you know, just, just leave all those bits out? That's got another text, actually. It said, why am I sharing this this morning? Thanks, Mum. Well, I'm sharing it because when the Holy Spirit moves, sometimes, and, and mostly it really is, peaceful and quiet, and it's a deep work that you probably can't see, right? It's something that's internal and it's happening inside you, and that's true. That is what mostly we have happened to us. But there are times when there are tangible manifestations of his presence and his power. And sometimes things happen that our, our reactions to his presence, either physically or emotionally, and they can really seem unusual, but in a sense, it's a mere human being trying to handle the presence and power of Almighty God. And he encounters us. How do you handle that? They're not an end in themselves. And they're not the main purpose or the main thrust of being filled with the Holy Spirit at all. But they are real, and they've happened right throughout church history. But whether they happen or not, the permanent work is the change that comes in our lives. And I love the Holy Spirit for what He does. He changes our behaviour. He changes our attitudes. The fruit of the Spirit is worked out from within us. And the gifts of the Spirit are given, not for us to feel great, but for others to be blessed. And God is glorified. One thing I felt the Holy Spirit really taught me during that season was the issue of control. The question is, who is in control? Right. I'm not saying we shouldn't have self-control because we should. In our everyday lives, we have got to have self-control. That's part of what God wants us to have. But all that strange stuff is outside my boxes, right? My intellectual box, 
my theological box, my experience box, my comfort zone box, my religious box, whatever box you say. But let me tell you, God doesn't want to fit inside any one of the boxes I try to put him in. So sometimes the Holy Spirit comes along and he blows with the wind like at the day of the Pentecost. He does, shakes the ground or does whatever he does. He does stuff and he messes it up. He messes up my sense of control. I'm up, poor God's a God of order. He is. But whose order? And so the question really is, who is in control? Just because something seems unusual to us or is outside our experience doesn't automatically mean it's not God. The Bible is full of incidents that are like that. And man, in this Western world, we sure need to see more of the power of God at work. We've been so good at explaining it away. See, bodily or emotional manifestations, reactions, they may come and go or they may not even be there. But every time the Holy Spirit interacts with us, the results are gonna be a greater love for Jesus, greater intimacy with the Father, The gifts of the Spirit are going to operate. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be more evident in our lives. And we're being made into effective witnesses. Who's in control of your life today? Someone or something will be. If the answer is you, then it's time to let go. See, this Engage series is about pursuing God, allowing the Holy Spirit to have more access to our lives. You know something? If you're not pursuing God, who or what are you spending your time pursuing? The void is always going to be filled with something. Why not let it be the Holy Spirit? Because I want to say to you the thing he said to me, he wants you. He really wants you. He really wants you. He wants you to be a vessel that he can use to bless people around you. He wants to change you. He wants you to be available. He wants you to let go. He wants you to let him take control. I get this sense in these days that God is saying to the church, I want it back. Not this church, just not just the church right across the world. We're so good at strategizing. We're so good at planning. We're so good at our programming. We're so good at looking good. We're so good at doing all those things which are all very, very good. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, let me come and just blow the wind, mess it up a bit every now and again. Let's blow the papers aside. Let's just make it a, something fall over and let it all happen because I want to be in control. I told you it was a message that was out of balance. But I wonder right now, I don't want you to stand. I just think if you're at home, we're here today, can we just close our eyes and be comfortable wherever we're sitting? Standing helps. It does at times, and you can if you want to today. But the most important issue with God is we get in a place of receptivity to Him. And sometimes just sitting there saying, Lord, I'm just going to relax and open myself to you. Maybe that means you put your hands out in front of you a little bit and saying, in a place of receiving, that can be, I'm ready to get something from you, Lord. Sometimes it's putting your hands up saying, I'm surrendering to you, Lord. Sometimes it's doing none of those things. There's no formula. Let's just for a few moments, here and at home, Holy Spirit, have 
greater access to my life. Maybe for you it's today saying, Lord, I'm letting go of the control. I'm a control freak of my own life. I want you, Holy Spirit, to control me. Maybe it's just going, Lord, I really need you in a fresh, fresh way, a fresh touch. Just a few moments of silence before we even sing anything. We're going to say, come, Holy Spirit, touch my life afresh in this season that we're in. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are times when you're more wanting to come to us than we're even willing to say we need you. But we need you. Each of us needs you. We thank you you haven't given up on us. We thank you that your work isn't over. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we sense in our hearts there's going to be a fresh wave that comes across the planet. We don't know how that will happen, Lord but we know that it will end up in people turning to you, that we'll be more in love with Jesus, that we're more pliable to what you want us to do. You will go, we'll say what you want us to say and go where we want to go. You'll deliver us from the fear of man and religion and control. Those three things so hold us back, Lord, and they come back to us so many times. But come, Holy Spirit, we ask you in this season as we continue in this church and this congregation and our engage, but not for us, but right across our city and across our nation, across the nations of the earth. Let there be a fresh wind that blows. Let our hearts become more and more thirsty and hungry that you might come again. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing that song. Come, Holy Spirit.